Let me ask you today, what sort of risk are you willing to take for your Christian life? Because as I heard Pastor Dave talk last week, and as I reflect on the people that I met while I was away, I think, what sort of Christian life do we live? Do we live a normal Christian life, or do they live the normal Christian life? And I've come to believe that actually the life that they live, which is radical and on the edge, which doesn't care about their own lives, that's willing to take whatever risks, that's the way Christianity was meant to be. That's the way we're called to live. You see, sometimes we think that if we can live just a nice, safe life here in New Zealand, if we can uh, uh, you know, just save ourselves from embarrassment and maybe our friends might think we're idiots, you know, <laughs> you know that's, that's all. We you know, we're, we're have everything nice and safe. But let me tell you, I don't believe that the Christian life was ever meant to be like that. When I hear of the people stretching out to go to the showground and prophesy and pray for people's healings, that's a life on the edge. That's putting your faith at risk. You see, we don't have much risk of getting beaten or being imprisoned here where we are. But that doesn't mean that we have to live a tame life where we're worried about what other people think. That doesn't mean that we have to live a life that's safe and uh, always just watching to make sure that uh, we're all taken care of. I want you to turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 to 2. See, this is the real Christian life. Are you with me today? Yeah. How many of you touched by the stories last week? Yeah. So what is the real Christian life? I want to preach tonight. I will preach tonight on the living sacrifice. Because as Pastor Steve called earlier, and I believe that uh, God is calling us to a place of sacrifice, a place where we would be willing to lay our lives down as a living sacrifice. We don't risk Like I say, we don't risk imprisonment or beatings or anything like that. Not really. But that doesn't stop us from living a radical Christian life here in New Zealand. And I believe that's the life that God's calling us to. And I believe that's the life that we need to embrace if we're really to meet this region, if we're really to show Jesus Christ to this region. Do you believe that? All right. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 to 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship or your reasonable service. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. That's the Christian life that God is calling us to. That's the kind of life that God is calling us to, to make our lives as a living sacrifice to Him in this place. That's the kind of life that will reach this community. That's the kind of life that will make a difference in this place. That's the kind of life 
that has seen the church in Pakistan expand. That's the kind of life, the radical kind of life, that's seen the church in nations, closed nations like China, expand. And if we think that we can get away with anything less because we live in the West, because we live in comfort, then we are deceived. We're playing church. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to play church. I've got better things to do than play church. I've got better things to do than play games with my life because I've got one life just like you. You've got one life. And it will be spent one way or another. One way or another, your life will be spent. But you get to choose. You get to choose whether your life will make a difference or whether your life is just spent in useless stuff that doesn't matter for anything. Because the fact is, is that we are eternal beings. We will live forever in heaven or in hell. We will be rewarded for our life on this earth. So what will you do with it? Because the life that Jesus Christ is calling us to is a life of living sacrifice. So it begins this passage and it says, Therefore, I urge you. And whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you ask yourself a question, what is it there for? All right? So you ask yourself, there's a therefore, what is it there for? Well, the therefore in this passage refers to the previous 11 chapters, and it begins with the revelation of God. Therefore, because there is a revelation of God, In creation, in chapter 1, it talks about the revelation of God, that there is a creator God. You see, we get filled up in the West with a a theory of evolution. And let me tell you, the theory of evolution is bunk, is rubbish. I don't believe it. You say, well, Doug, maybe you're stupid and uh, uneducated. Well, let me tell you, I studied evolution at university. And uh, and for a good few years, I I thought, yeah, that's right. I believe that. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. The theory of evolution is, uh, starts with, you know, a big bang, a random explosion in space. No one knows exactly what caused the explosion, but it happened, okay, according to them. And then uh, from that, there was bits of rock that formed the earth. And on that earth, there was a soup, a uh, soup formed on the, on the earth. And out of that soup, slimy creatures came. And... Uh, The slimy creatures grew legs. And over a period of time, those slimy creatures with legs grew into apes. Okay. And then, so the evolutionists tell us, they became man. Now, (laughs) that's the theory of evolution. Now I've simplified it, but that's the guts of it. Okay. Now, brilliant minds thought of these things. Brilliant minds Scientists who studied maths and biology and physics, they thought of these things. And you know what God calls them? He calls them fools. He calls them idiots. He says in Psalm 14, verse 1, he says, Only the fool says in their hearts, there is no God. And he says more than that, they are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. See, I remember studying Evolution at university and their little models and their, and their textbooks and, and, uh, of, of how it all worked. And I remember as an unbeliever thinking, yeah, wow, wow, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> wow, this is so cool. Uh, and then I came to faith. I came, 
I actually came to faith through, re- through seeing a miracle of God, incredible miracle of God. And God radically changed my life. And I began to relook because I had to go back to university and listen to what they were spouting about evolution because I had another two years of the, of the wretched subject. And, uh, and I thought, how can these bright minds, these brilliant people, give way to such a fairy story? How, how can they? When you look at the person next to you, take a look at their eyes. Turn to the person next to you and take a deep look into their eyes. Uh, not too long, some of you, eh? <laughs> Wait till you get home. <laughs> All right. You can't tell me that you can look into the person's eyes next to you and say that they were some sort of random cosmic accident. I tell you, that is garbage. That is garbage. There is no truth to that. And God calls that sort of theory. The person who says that there is no God, God calls that sort of person a fool. I don't want to be a fool. And God just treats it that way. He doesn't give that any any ground in the Bible. He just says, you know, there is a God who created. He created heaven and earth. He created everything in the universe. And he created man. And if there is a creator God, and there is, then we are responsible to him. What will we do with him? Because if he made everything, then he's the owner of everything. And if he's the owner of everything, one day you and I will be given an account before him. What's the therefore? Why is it therefore? It's there because there's a revelation of God that we're responsible to. But it's more than that. The book of Romans goes on to talk about how sinful man was lost and without hope, without God. Just waiting for the judgment call at the end of their life, for the curtains to fall and then to slip into a lost eternity. But God in his mercy reached out to man. He came in the form of a man himself and walked this earth. God in his mercy bore our sins on the cross. He was whipped. He was crucified. He died for your sins, for my sins, to make a way for us that we could be right with God. But thank God it didn't end there because three days later, after he was buried, he was raised from the dead. Three days later, he overcame death. He broke the curse of sickness. He broke the curse of hell. He broke the devil's power. He broke every spiritual resistance that was arrayed against man. He broke the curse of your life and my life. And he rose from the dead, defeating every devil in hell. And now he stands at the right hand of God. He's alive today. He's alive today. And he's in this place. How many of you are glad about that? Come on, that's good news. That's good news. You see, that was God reaching out to us. There's no plan B. God wanted us to be right with him. God wanted us to be in relationship with him. Because he wasn't content for you and I.
to live and die as lost ones, moving, slipping out into a lost eternity. He wanted us to be with him. There is no plan B. You can't be good enough. Maybe you try. You say, well, I'll just try. I'll be a good person, you know. You can't be good enough. It doesn't work. Well, maybe I'll just go to church and, and uh, maybe God will count that if I just go to church. Going to church is good. Thank God you're here. And, uh, but it's not good enough. It won't do it. Only a living relationship with Jesus Christ will do it. God reached out to us. God was the model. Jesus Christ was the model of a living sacrifice for us. And the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9, it says here that you must have the same sort of attitude of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. You see, God wants us, and he's calling each one of us to live as Jesus Christ did, to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice. And you say, Pastor Doug, are you asking, are you saying that God wants me to die for him? No, he wants you to stop stuffing around and start living for him. Come on. He wants you to live for him. You're, you're more use alive than you are dead. He doesn't want you to die. He wants you to live for him in this earth. You see, you're far more use as an alive person than a dead one. Unless, of course, you're stuffing around and temping for the devil in your spare time. You see, uh, uh, some people come to church on Sunday and then they live the rest of their life a long, long, long way away from God. But we're not called to do that. We're called to live life as a sacrifice to Him. It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our reasonable response. It's not unreasonable to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's not unreasonable to lay down your life for Jesus Christ. Why? Because you were dead. Now you're alive. Because you were lost in sin. Now he's broken the power of that off you. That's good news. So it's a reasonable thing. When someone does something kind for you, it's a reasonable thing. It's a natural response to give you gratitude or show you gratitude in some way. It says, offer yourself. Give yourself body, soul, and spirit, your time, your talent, your treasure, to give that as an offering to the Lord. Last week in worship, it was like a prophetic word that came out in worship. I surrender myself. I give myself to you. And I believe that the Lord's asking us, calling us, urging us, if we're serious about making a difference in this place, if we're serious about our life with Jesus Christ, then he's saying, will you surrender yourself to me? Will you surrender? Will you give your life? You say, well, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I, I became a Christian years ago. Great. Fantastic. Now give it again. 
Yeah, surrender again. Let go of the controls. When God asks you to do what he wants you to do, then do it. You see, when we have a financial offering and the, and the money goes by, uh, the bag goes by, and we take our offering and we put it in the bag, we let go control of that. The money goes past, and we don't follow that money along saying, well, <laughs> We don't ring up the church on, on Monday morning and say, uh, you know, I, I put the money in my bag, but uh, I, I want it back today. Thank you. You know, uh, you know could, could, I have a, could I have a loan on that? Or, uh, we don't do that kind of thing. And if we did, we'd get our hands slapped. Because that's the whole point of an offering is that when you put it in, you let go of the control of it. You let go of your own ownership of it, and actually you hand the control of that to someone else. Yet many of us, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we've got a string attached to it. So we, we say, Jesus, Jesus, I give my life to you. And then Monday, we're, we're, we're following along and say, well, actually, I want it back. Thank you. So, because I've got things that I want to do this week, Jesus, and... and uh, uh, and I don't know if you'd approve. So uh, can I just have it back for, uh, for Friday night and Saturday? Is that all right? <laughs> you know, it sounds funny, but actually that's the way so many people live. That's the way we often live. So what strings have you got attached to your life? What strings have you got attached that you're saying, God, you know, I, here I am on Sunday, Jesus, send me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, take me, use me. And then on Monday, temptation comes. The devil comes with an offer. The comfort of God or chocolate? The comfort of God or chocolate? Comfort, chocolate, comfort, chocolate! Moral purity or internet sleaze? Moral purity or internet sleeves. Godly relationships or whatever's out there. Communicate clearly and patiently with your husband and wife and children. Or blow at them and nut off at them. Tell the truth or save your face and tell a porky. <laughs> Engage with reality or zone out into fantasy. Fly with eagles or hang out with turkeys. Uh, <laughs> who knows someone who's been hanging out with turkeys? <laughs> Study for exams or answer Facebook quizzes. What's it going to be? Hard choices. Talk to a friend about or colleague about Christ. Or keep quiet because it's safer and they might think you're an idiot. <laughs> Forgive the person who hurt you. Or think about how you can hurt them back. You see, it's a daily discipline. God's calling us to be a living sacrifice. Could I have uh, the keyboarders, please? See, I've got a lot to say on, on this subject, but actually the point's pretty simple. I believe that. The Lord's calling us 
lay down our lives again. I believe that if we're to make a difference here in this place or wherever we are around the world, we're not going to do it in our own strength. We're not going to be able to do it with having a string attached to our lives. He's calling us to be living sacrifices wherever you are. And the problem with a living sacrifice is that it can get up and crawl off the altar. And you know, I got to be thinking myself, how many times have I offered myself to the Lord and said, Jesus, here I am. I'm a living sacrifice to you. And the very next day, crawled off that altar and thought to myself, what were you thinking? But actually the normal Christian life is a life of sacrifice. Where we offer ourselves to Jesus, our time, our talents, our treasure, whatever the cost. You see, at times that can look like a dumb decision, especially when you see other people when you see the wicked prosper, we see them having a good time. And there is, there's a pleasure in sin, but it passes. It passes and it extracts a cost. There's one final passage I want to leave you with tonight. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. It goes right through verse 30. The disciples... They began to speak up. Peter said, spoke to Jesus and said, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you, he said. Jesus said, yes, and I assure you, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake, for the good news, will receive Now, in return, a hundred times, as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property, along with persecution. And in the life to come, that person will have eternal life. You see, a living sacrifice might look dumb to the people around you. But let me tell you that God is not mocked. He is a rewarder. And he has a reward for everyone. Everyone who will lay down their lives and say, Jesus, I bring myself as an offering to you. Not to take it up again. Not to ask for it back tomorrow. But to give myself without reserve to you.